on this episode of Why Watch That. Fresh. Mm. Okay, in caps. caps, Fresh. Right, fresh. Fresh. So it's going to obviously... (laughs) She's on a bad date. She got to pay. He's looking at her like, why don't you put on a dress? Now, my question is, Noah, though, what do you have to offer? Like, uh, wait a minute now. Hold on. What you offering? When they get home, you know who they find? Passed out on their floor? A white chick. Oh, Lord. And if you know how they look, you go, really? Yeah. And you look at the daughter, you go, oh, how'd they get that daughter? <laughs> and they have... <laughs> and he's played by Bill Nye. Now, not the science guy. No. <laughs> <laughs> she got braids, you she, know, oh, which, and, which and is unusual for a professor. You didn't see all the action the ref gave me when she said she got <laughs> braids. I'll tell you that. Why Watch That as a podcast featuring the critic and referee who go head-to-head on a quest to discover the best movies and TV shows Hollywood has to offer. Expect the unexpected from the critic. Well, nothing gets past the ref. We do all the work. So you don't have to. Welcome, Welcome to, to Why Watch, Watch That. Critic? Yes. Critic! What? Have you heard? We just got a buy me a coffee page. <laughs> What's that? Boy, come on. It's a place where listeners can support our work for as little as five dollars. Five dollars. Pretty much the price of a coffee. I don't drink no coffee. What you talking about? Well, you don't drink anything but water <laughs> and eat raw potatoes. But <laughs> I guess they can buy you a popcorn. How about that? <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> well, everyone, look, visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash why watch that to support our work or purchase our valuable resources. Yeah, you know what? We just added the TV trackers to help you curate a collection of shows you'll love to watch. So find this and more ways to support us at buymeacoffee.com forward slash why watch that. So Critic, are you going to buy me a coffee? Maybe. The Why Watch That Talk. Well, listeners, we have concluded yet another season of Oh. oh, you know what? I tell you, it's one of the things that we look forward to here at Why Watch That. I mean, really, it yeah. is a highlight because Sundance is the first festival of the year. Mm. And a lot of people want their stuff seen and picked up and purchased. Um, if not, they want a world premiere. If not, they want to, you know, uh, you know, U.S. premiere. Mm-hmm. It really is a wonderful um, festival. And you know what, Critic? I remember our first Sundance and there was such a steep learning curve that went along <laughs> with going and attending um, par- uh, the Sundance Festival in Park City. We were like fish out of water. Ooh. We were trudging through snow. We thought battling. we could get to where we were, you know, scheduled to get to. No. <laughs> what are you no. talking about? A half an hour between screenings? Are you crazy? <laughs> no. The lines before we knew to just buy some yes. t- You know what I mean? Yeah. Going to like these dark, dingy theaters. <laughs> and, um, and to top it all off, we both came down with really bad altitude uh, sickness. Oh, my gosh. So it was pretty tough that year. And I remember mm. another year there was some smoking issues. It was just very, I mean, you weren't smoking. Let's, let's be clear <laughs> with that. But Sundance in all of its rewards could be a tricky thing to maneuver. But for the past two seasons, just to remind everybody, we've been attending virtually and have thoroughly enjoyed ourselves. Yeah. So this is its second season. Um for the most part, virtually. The first, obviously, was in 2021. Um, and 2022, or 2020, they had it. That was before everything was, yeah. you know, complicated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But this year, we can say unequivocally that Sundance is one of the festivals where you're actually excited the couple days before they release what is in the lineup. Yeah. And so this year, we, well, you, <laughs> why watch that got a chance to really dig their heels in Ugh. and watch some interesting con- 
content that's coming your way, hopefully this year, but sometimes it takes a little longer. So we should start with bring on the dancing horses. Now, what kind of title? Bring on the dancing horses. And it it's is a, not like what you think hearing that title. No, I can't imagine it being like that. But um, we know that in the last, oh gosh, not too, too many years. It hasn't been like 15, 20 years, but in the last handful of years, uh, they've they've premiered episodics. So you will get a chance to now, normally they don't, they don't have the entire season at Sundance. I mean, really you get one or two episodes, maybe that if you're, you know, really, really, really fortunate, but bring on the dancing horses is something you checked out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is the only potential TV show that I checked out. It was one episode uh, and it stars Kate Bosworth as an assassin. Mm. So what we see is, you know, she's got this black hat and clothes. It's kind of like if a priest were a cowboy. That's how she looks. Okay. And we see in her stages of how she, you know, accomplishes her task. We also see how it all started when she was a kid and her father. Now, she's going around to kill people. In the end of the first episode, she's in a little pickle. Now, they did film an entire season here if it gets picked up, just so you know. Um, You get some voiceovers and all of that kind of stuff. For me, they were trying to be cool and meaningful, but there wasn't any weight. It was a bit hollow. Mm. I wanted to connect to the characters. I didn't have a reason from this episode. So what I'd say is if it crosses your path, it's like this. It's like if you take a Tarantino sort of thing, straight off his sensibility. It's like you throw an astringent on it. So if you're interested in that and maybe, maybe better call Saul, this might work. Smells like Robert Rodriguez a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. just that, that kind of, he, they're, they're both, they both got a, a, a rhythmic sensibility to it, but Tarantino is, you know, an artiste. Yes. So that's going to be an interesting pickup. Whoever does decide to do that. Let's move on to um, now, whenever we see a 24, <laughs> we have learned to pay attention. A24 has really, I think, you know, it started in the last six, seven years, if that, mm-hmm. and has absolutely taken the indie by storm. And we've talked about earlier, I'm not going to dwell too much on this because I, I like to give our listeners some context. We have talked about the fact that the big budget movie, that the middle budget movie it ha- is dissipating. It yeah. is slowly dwindling away from Hollywood. And what we mean by that, I mean, when we say big budget movies, we're talking about Marvel. We're talking about anything Spielberg does. We're talking about, you know, what gets you in your seats in the theaters and they spend millions and millions and millions of dollars and expect billions in return. Then you have the indie, which is on the way other side. But then you have this like middle movie, like Stepmom or, you know, like right. <laughs> yes, just yes. Those, just those, those movies that are, are an A24, even though it's got indie roots, is really taking that middle movie because they attract the folks, you know, they attract the talent. This is when you finish saving the world. Okay, what? Now, I'm assuming this is not a superhero movie. No. <laughs> it might be a couple of characters who think they're superheroes. You know, but well, no. <laughs> this was a premiere, though. This was not an, in competition. Right. So we, th- nobody's trying to get funding in that way. Right. Um, A24 is bringing it to us, and they brought it to you. And what did you think about that? Well... We have Julianne Moore and Finn Wolfhard playing the leads, a mom and a son. And the son is Ziggy. Ziggy, you know, he's online. He has his little music. He tries to get money out of people from it. He just wants attention. Okay. He'll do what he needs to do. He will do his grift. If he needs to go political, he'll do it. Does he succeed? But it's, you know. He just wants to be famous. He wants to be successful. He wants to make money. He tells his mother more than once, I'm going to have more money than you. Now, Mama, Evelyn, well, she runs a shelter, and they're in Indiana, for survivors of domestic abuse. 
very, very serious stuff. But she's emotionally distant with everybody. She doesn't really connect with her son. The husband's just kind of there. <laughs> okay. So what happens is for both of them, they encounter people in their lives that they almost want to latch onto and not let go. For Ziggy, it's a girl at school. She's political. What does that make him want to do? Okay. They go to this revolutionary arts place. How does he acquit himself? And for Evelyn, she meets a mother and her 17-year-old son. And there's something about this son that hooks her. Does she wish he was her son? And how does that play out? And in the end, what's going on with Evelyn and Ziggy, their relationship? Have they been or have they diverged more because of the people that have come into their lives? Or do they end up connecting? That's the question. I mean, they're two narcissists. Now, this, my friends, is based on an audio, they call it an audio, um, an original audio drama from Audible. And it was created by the first-time director here. Who's that? Jesse Eisenberg. So he adapted that to this movie and he's directing here. And he does a really good job as his first effort, I will have to say. And the the thing that's the best about this is if you didn't know it started as an audible original audio drama, you wouldn't be able to tell watching the movie. I think that the two performances were really good. Julianne is very distant. Finn is, I mean, if you know Finn from Stranger Things, perfect cast. I mean, he, he could do this in his sleep. Um, the one thing I would say about this is I wish there were more dynamics here. It's a bit too smooth. So the beat changes, you almost lose the humor at times. It blunted it. I mean, but this, I mean, this is like, if that's the problem, that's good. If your beats are too smooth, because I mean, Jesse knows what he's doing. So I would say regardless of that, while I would want more explosiveness, it was thoughtful. It was accomplished for him in his debut. If you like things like 20th century women or maybe Lady mm. Bird, both from A24, but yeah. you want it to be a bit more reserved, that would be this. Sounds like, um, you know, it, it, this is something that uh, is palatable for most. So that's good. That's a good thing. A24. A24, yes. Yeah, I was going to say, A24 can make you. Uh, yeah, this is as palatable as A24 gets. <laughs> okay, well, let's move on to um, Searchlight Pictures slash Hulu. Oh. They have come to us with a midnight category showing um now if you don't know anything about midnight i think it should explain some things it doesn't mean just <laughs> horror it doesn't not necessarily yeah. it's just weird edgy offbeat mm -hmm. um really niche we'll just say that very niche uh yes. content and this is called fresh fresh mm. okay and cats. And cats, fresh yeah. okay. right fresh fresh so it's going to obviously <laughs> because it's on Hulu because Hulu is presenting it along with mm -hmm. you know Searchlight Pictures as you know that's been acquired by the big guys um, yeah. Disney the Mouse. Um, this is going to come to us uh, March fourth on Hulu, so it's not like we have a long time to wait. Right. But what are, what can we look forward to? I mean, again, this is a midnight category kind of yeah. movie. You, it's midnight. Okay, <laughs> it's pitch black midnight. Mm. Now, this stars Daisy Edgar Jones from one of my favorite shows of what was that last year? Also on Hulu. Oh boy. So and Sebastian Stan. Now, oh okay. Now you've already got my attention. Mm-hmm. So we have Noah. She starts off. She's on a bad date. She got to pay. He's looking at her like, why don't you put on a dress? Okay. Now, my question is, Noah, though, what do you have to offer? Like, uh, wait a minute now. Hold on. What you offering? So she commiserates with her best friend, Molly. And then in a grocery store, she encounters oh, Steve. Normal people. Normal mm -hmm. people. Yes, Daisy. Yes. Oh, thank you. 
So she encounters Steve, played by Sebastian, of course. Grocery store. He's charming. Mm. You know, isn't this dating thing dumb? They, you know, they hit it off. Mm. Okay. No social media for him, though. Molly goes, why are you not on social media? Right. I'm like, and? <laughs> now, you know, she really vibes with this guy so much so that she agrees to go out with him to his place in the woods. Okay. You know what? We've already, this is, you I, keep going, but you know, you know, side yeah. eye all day. Now I will say, if you can't find somebody online or anything, uh-uh. don't go out with them into the woods. Into the now, woods? Now, when they get to into the woods, not that. Now, let uh, me tell you this. When no. they get to his place, there's no cell service. There's no Wi-Fi. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> so you're looking at this place. It's like, how could this dude afford such a place? <laughs> what does he really want from her? And what does it mean to be fresh? Uh-oh. Now, he does tell her he's a doctor of reconstructive surgery. Okay. I'm sure he is. So what kind of trouble is Noah in? Is there a way out? What does she find in this house? Oh, I'm not going to tell you. Oh, Lord. But this is definitely for today's generation. There's nothing wrong with it. I can't fault the performances, but I didn't care. And I really wasn't interested and I wasn't scared. Now it has elements of Hannibal, of misery, of Raw, if you saw that crazy movie. But it's not as distinctive. I mean, Sebastian plays the kind of guy who would be targeted by Dexter. That's what I was thinking. (laughs) So they've assembled it well. It's fine. Is this kind of what you want from a horror uh, thriller? Like, fine. I I mean, it's up to you. It'll be on Hulu. Um, It's comments on modern dating. I just were like, okay. I mean, obvious. There is gore. There really is. But I just found Mm -hmm. it dull. That's me. But regardless, again, it's on Hulu. Another one for Daisy. Um, It might gross you out enough to hold your attention until the grand finale. You'll see what that means. Plus, while different, it would probably pair well with false positive on the same platform. Interesting. Well, you know, look at all these recommendations I'm giving y'all. I know you're being very generous. Um, Sebastian (laughs) Stan is also coming out with that Pamela Anderson. You yes, know, uh, Tommy on Hulu. Yeah, right. so oh on Hulu. So, you know, and he's a Marvel guy anyway. So we can anticipate more interesting work from that platform and from that company from yep. with Sebastian. Now let's move on to an actual competition. Um, this was a part of the U.S. Dramatic Competition. And as you know, for Sundance, just I don't think we ever really explained the breakdown mm-hmm. of Sundance. You would kind of have to go to their website to understand it. But They do have a section in their offerings where there's a, they couple all of the um, specifically U.S.-based features and they do docs and stuff like that. But the features under U.S. dramatic competition, which literally is a competition, you literally as an attendee can vote for your favorite all kinds of categories. And they they expect you to do it when you go into that, you get that ballot. (laughs) Into the movie, like stop, wait, don't finish these credits. Here's your code. Go yes. to the app. Go to YouTube, wherever else. Get on it. And I was like, next. <laughs> well, some of us can and can't vote, but the, the the bottom line is this means that it's not picked up. It yeah. simply means that there is no distribution deal yet, and mm. that's why you come to Sundance and put your stuff in there. Well, the first one we're going to talk about is Emergency. And already you've indicated, uh, you know, there's some interest here uh, (laughs) from some folks. But anyway, this is already picked up. We know Amazon is going to bring it to us. Yes. Um, We we believe it'll be May 27th. Um, Around that time, it'll come to video. I don't know if they're going to do a theatrical release. Probably not. We haven't, we don't know that yet. Mm -hmm. Um, But we do know that everybody with Amazon will have access to emergency. Yeah. So on the prime video, is it worth it? Well, you're going to tell us, aren't you? Yeah. Now at the beginning, two friends are about to graduate from college. It's they're two months away. And coming up is what they call the blackout. It's the school's frat party legend tour. 
Oh, Lord. So you attend seven parties in one night to make history. And if they mm. do it, they'd be the first black stu- students to do it at the school. First one. Oh, my. But we got some priorities here. Kule, one of the friends, wants to get his project done and graduate. Sean <laughs> wants to party. Mm. Now, here's a problem. They're going to start doing this little blackout thing. They go back home. When they get home, you know who they find? Passed out on their floor? A white chick. Oh, Lord. Well. Who is she? Where she come from? They don't know. Mama. Their housemate doesn't know. Carlos. Uh. Now, keep in mind, Kunle, Sean, they black. Carlos, Latin. What are they going to do with a passed out white chick on the floor? Hmm? They going to call the cops? They call the cops. What's going to happen? <laughs> So they have to figure out what to do with her. Is she alive? Is she dead? What do we do? And they go out and try to rectify the situation. Try to keep themselves safe and keep her safe. Now, as they go out with her, in what state I won't tell you, who's following them? Who do they encounter? And what does this unearth? That's the question. Now, If you want to inject race into a college comedy, it needs to be biting and funny, right? Even like dear white people. You got to say something new and true. For instance, at the opening, they have a whole discussion about the N-word in a college class. It was just a missed opportunity. At first, I was like, ooh, they about to go there and this is about to be dangerous. You want to have that electricity. Kind of like good Spike Lee. When you're watching it, you're going, ooh, Ooh. So if you want to go there, go there. I thought they were going to do it. They copped out. I didn't get the electricity. Like, again, Dear White People, it's better executed as a movie. Even mm-hmm. House Party. Even House Party. Um, So I thought it needed a stronger edit. A lot of the moments overstayed their welcome. It was overstuffed with ideas. I mean, somehow they built up to an argument over the intersection of race and class. And then you get this inevitable confrontation with the cops that seemed completely out of place. Also, I think some music would have helped give it more of a pulse. Uh, This is a safe watch. It'll make a lot of viewers feel like they've touched a hot stove and gotten away with it. So watch Watch it if you want to see an imperfect and awkward blend of Dear White People and Weekend at Bernie's with a whiff <laughs> of Revenge of the Nerds and the Hate You Give, along with a bunch of other stuff. That's okay, well, the stuff you get. Yeah, that does not sound as exciting of a mix, but good effort. You know, it's it's something interesting yeah. to yeah. to consider. Now, let's move on to a spotlight. Now, this again is coming to us from a twenty four. Like, you know, yeah. come on. This is after Yang. Um, and I'm not sure if I pronounce that right, but I'm yes. going to say it that way. Mm-hmm. It's hopefully going to be somewhere in March. We can find a release and we all can watch it. But you got a chance to check out. And then this was under the spotlight category. How would you categorize spotlight? I know what I would yeah. say. It's like things that aren't premiering here. They've been seen elsewhere. Elsewhere. Mm-hmm. But Sundance is going, this is worth putting a spot watching. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. There we go. And what's the spotlight here? Well, guess what? Colin Farrell is here for us. Why not? Why not? Jody Turner-Smith and others. And this is set in the near future. So there's a family, a father, a daughter, and a mother. Now, Colin and Jody play the father and mother. And if you know how they look, you go, really? Yeah. When you look at the daughter, you go, how'd they get that daughter? <laughs> and they have <laughs> and they have a son. Mm. The son is an android. So Okay. Okay. Yes, yes. So they got this android to keep their daughter company to be a sibling. It's kind of a holdover of China's one child policy. It's kind of oh. dealing with that. Okay. So, you know, they have one child, then they have an android, and but he's much older than her. She loves her brother, but he's no longer working. He's just like laying on the table. Can they get him fixed? 
They go around, try to do it. And there's this whole thing about, ooh, can this provider fix him? Maybe not because of these permissions that are needed and so on and so forth. There are other people that come into their lives and say, hey, you need to do this off market. market. You need to do this. You need to do that. And the question is, as Colin Farrell's character starts to go down this rabbit hole and figure out who his son was, he learns things that maybe he couldn't even have conceived that an android could do. Can androids have memories? Can they form relationships outside of their directive? And what does that mean for not only what it means to be an android, but also what that means when it comes to being human? Also, they own like this tea shop. That was interesting. Now, with this notion of family, and it's a very different notion of family, it was interesting, I would say that, because I'm thinking, watching it, how did this come to be the near future? Did they answer that? Is there more going on with Yang? That's the brother. And what does that title mean after Yang? Is it like literally after Yang, like in time, or is it like going after Yang? What seems to have been lost here? What's hidden? And how does everything connect? What's autonomy? Now, stylistically and thematically, it's closer to Mahershala Swan Song on Apple TV+, which I recommend. Then I would say to like devs or raised by wolves, if you're thinking of this kind of stuff, with a hint of nine days, if you saw that movie. So if you want to explore the idea of what makes us human, how that can be preserved in the midst of change, if you want to go through the meaning and power of memories, mm-hmm. there's a gentle beauty to this, but you have to have patience. Most people will not. I'm going to tell you that. You have to have it. Well, it is a 24. We do trust its artistry. But as you're saying, thank you for all of those highlights, especially thank you for comparing some of the things that we may have seen in the past to Mm -hmm. help us gauge whether this is something that we'll be anticipating to, you know, venture out and see in March or stay at home. (laughs) Um, Let's move on to a premiere, which is uh, called Living. Yes. And I love these short titles. I mean, it's nice. When you finish saving the world, but fresh emergency after well, you. It's either short living. or you got to make it really long. Oh, <laughs> okay. seriously. But this was acquired by Sony Pictures and Sony Pictures Classics, excuse me, let's, let's, because there's a huge difference. Right. Between the two. Um, man versus, you know. <laughs> versus, uh, you know, just, you know what? Here's the thing. Sony Pictures Classics reminds me of a pre a 24. Yes. And I wouldn't even be surprised if some of those executives <laughs> <laughs> came from Sony Pictures Classics. Now, this is called living. Mm-hmm. So I assume we're going to be challenging the notion of that. Oh, maybe <laughs> we are. And we're in early 1950s London and its environs. And there's a new hire at Public Works, Mr. Wakelin. I love these names, Mr. Wakelin. Oh, yes. Lovely. You know, he meets his colleagues. He's ready to go. They seem frosty. And they encounter a certain Mr. Williams in a very unexpected way. And we're like, is this a big wig? And he's played by Bill Nye. Now, not the science guy. No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) The great actor Bill Nye from across the pond. Well, from Who, Love Actually. Love I mean, Actually, Everybody yes. knows, yeah. The yeah. singer in Love Actually. Mm-hmm. Okay, right at the beginning of the movie, that's Bill Nye. <laughs> <laughs> I ran into him in New York one the streets. Oh, he was doing a play, and he's a lovely human. Lovely I'm sure human. that was a lot of fun. Oh, Bill Nye well, is the kind of guy who's like in his body in a weird way. It's just very Bill very, Nye. Very Bill Nye, very present, very particular. Very interesting. <laughs> Yes, and this is no exception, but in a way you might not expect if you are thinking of him in love, actually. So he's Mr. Williams, and this new hire is a conduit into the workings of this bureaucracy. What it is, what it's always been, and what it always will be. But Mr. Williams, who is a top bureaucrat, he leads a team. He gets some news. It's not good. Mm. Now, he does have a family. His wife, unfortunately, has passed, but he has a grown son who has a wife, 
And that wife wants that money. She's looking at her husband going, talk to your father. We need to get the money. You better pump your brakes. Pump it, pump it, pump it up. So because of this, Mr. Williams, can he start talking to his son? Does he want to? He has to start thinking of his past. And what about his routine? What's he going to do now? And he starts to break his routine. And he breaks his routine and really deals with two main characters. One is played by Tom Burke, who's Mr. Sutherland. He's kind of like Hemingway. He's like Ernest Hemingway when I saw him. Oh my goodness. And then there's a Miss Harris who has a particular name for Mr. Williams and others at their job. So how do all of these people connect? And the question is, how can you accept the end? There is a potential legacy that Mr. Williams wants to leave. I won't tell you what that is. Mm-hmm. So are you just going to be a cog in the machine? What's the point of all of this in life? Now, the cinematography reminded me of the 60s. Okay. That kind of time period in film. There was a lyricalness to it. Intermittently, it was even hypnotic. The music, oh. editing, the writing, all of that. Now, this is adapted from Kurosawa's Ikuru by Ishiguro, who wrote the novel The Remains of the Day. So if you know that or even saw the movie, you can kind of see or understand the vibe. Okay. So it has Ishiguro's imprimatur. So what's essential to the story and to the characters is the question. It's quite successful when it focuses on that. There are times when it could have been edited a bit more, especially during the middle, just a little trim here and there. Mm-hmm. I love the style, though, and the feel that director Oliver Hermanus crafted. There's a warning beauty to it. Nigh, clear, quiet, and true in his performance. Like, not saying much, but you get it. And what I would say if I'm thinking back to Remains of the Day is, it's a step down from that, but it's still worthy for fans of that film adaptation. Well, there you go with that. It sounds like a very particular watch. Yes. Um, let's move on to Call Jane. <laughs> this is also a premiere and you got a chance to see it. I don't know much about it, so you're going to have to let us know why we need to call Jane. Yeah. Um, and this is based on, you know, a true story. We're in Chicago. It's 1968. And this is telling the story of the Jane Collective. Now, what is that? So we start, we're outside an event full of lawyers and their wives at a swanky hotel. We have Joy. Joy played by Elizabeth Banks. Now, Joy is flanked by cops and she hears this being chanted in the distance. The whole world is watching. Something about it sticks with her, even as she leaves the event with her husband to pick up their daughter from a friend's house. And she says to her friend, Lana, who's the mother of her daughter's friend, the cops are as young as the yippies. Now, Joy's pregnant, but she starts having health problems and it leads to devastating news. It's either her pregnancy or her life. But to end the pregnancy, she needs permission from the hospital's board. And you can imagine how that goes. So what can she do? What does her husband think? And this leads to her finding the Jane Collective. Now, these are a group of women who help women take care of their bodies. Okay. At a time when they weren't allowed to. So how do they do that? Can you find a doctor who will do it? This is breaking the law. Will you have support? Is there somebody who's going to help you through it? But you have to have the money. This is not cheap. Mm -hmm. So when Joy gets to them, how is she affected and how does she affect them? Now, also in this cast, we have Sigourney Weaver. We have Kate Mara. We have Wu. I mean, we've got Chris Messina. We got a lot of people popping up here. And what I would say is, For Elizabeth Banks, very good. In this period drama, it's about an important topic. Many will find it easy to watch, though, because it moves along for the most part, and it's executed in a familiar sort of way. It's like the good, not great moments in Mrs. America. That's what I would say. Now, Phyllis Nagy's writing, 
gets to the stuff you need, but adds nice little touches to distinguish the characters. The doctor they have played by Corey Michael Smith. I mean, that is the epitome of the best parts of this movie. I mean, he is a character on the page and on mm. the screen. All right. You'll see it. Even little things like, oh, there's basil in the pasta. It needs salt, though. They're playing Scrabble. Like, those little touches mm-hmm. I like. Okay. Um, however, sometimes it did sound like a lesson in mm-hmm. certain moments. Yeah. Like, it, some of the stuff, the characters, it just wasn't quite right. It was rare that that happened, though, thankfully. Also, there's an unnecessary and tangential storyline that seemed forced, but it didn't take up too much time, so that's good. Now, back to the positive. Supporting cast around Elizabeth Banks, strong, especially Sigourney and Woomi. So overall, it's straightforward yet engaging enough to add to this, you know, whole reproductive rights battle conversation. Well, there you have that. Let's move on to something interesting. <laughs> the uh, We have another U.S. dramatic competition. It's called Eight. Nine two, mm-hmm. and those are the numbers you get in the title. That is it, eight nine two. Yeah, and the cast is pretty familiar. In fact, you know, I had really meant to go see, to not to go see it, but to see it. Didn't get a chance to, but you did. Yes. And what's going on here? And they won the special jury award for ensemble cast in this category. Well, we know why because the you know there's some pretty fine actors in this. Yes, there is. I mean, we have John Boyega. We have Michael Kenneth Williams in his final performance, unfortunately. Nicole Bahari, Connie Britton. I mean, mm-hmm. Salinas Leva, if you watch um, that show on Netflix that went away in the prison. So, the title. What does that mean, the 892? Mm-hmm. You'll find out if you watch it. And this is based on a true story. So, we have Brian Brown Easley. He is expecting a check from the VA. He is a, a veteran. He is a Marine. He is decorated. He's a father. He has a young daughter. And his wife is there with the daughter. He's not. What's going on? Mm. You can tell from the beginning he loves his daughter. And his daughter loves him. And his wife, her heart goes out to him. But he needs this check. I mean, in one scene, he goes in and says, if I don't get this money, I'm going to be out on the streets. Mm. Is that what you want? So because of this, he decides to go into a bank. Oh, and Lord. what do you think he does? Well, you know. Now, in this bank, two other main characters we encounter one is the bank manager, played by Nicole. The other is a teller, played by Salinas Leva. How does he treat them? When he enters, who else is in the bank? What does he do with them? And over the course of the time we see him in the bank, we see the cops show up, the FBI. We see a, a negotiator show up, played by Michael. What's going on in his mind? What is his goal? And why is he here? And what's the end going to be? This, again, is a true story. Keep that in mind. Now, when it comes to Connie Britton, she plays a producer at a news channel. How is she involved? How does she receive Brian? Now, that's enough. I mean, because really, you're just watching this play out in front yeah, of Yeah, I'm just like, whoa, okay, yeah, here we go. Exactly. And I watched this with my brother, Ref. And you know what he said? Watching this, he said, John Boyega reminded him of Denzel. This is something Denzel would play and would do. If you watch it, you'll see his mannerisms. Okay. okay. I was like, yeah. Is he using his American dialect? but you will not you will not be distracted this was one of my favorite movies at Sundance this year interesting it 
It has flaws. I don't care. Okay. I was with Brian from the beginning to the end. I was gripped. I, my heart was torn. I think the rest okay. of the cast did a great job. They had me by the throat for much of the runtime. John Q. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, this is a sad, sad story to watch. Now, some critics are going, I wanted to know more about Brian. I knew everything I needed to know. Mm-hmm. Just watching it. And it really is. It's more about a thriller in the bank with okay. this behind it. So my goodness, I hope this will be available soon somewhere, everybody. If you see it somewhere, check it out with people you love where you can hold each other over uh, the runtime. Well, you know, it is a robust runtime of one hour and 50 minutes. So, yeah. you know, there that is. Uh, Master which is coming to us from Amazon and will be available March 18th, was also in the U.S. Dramatic Competition. Um, This is, you know, when I see Master, Mm. I think of a lot of things. Oh, Master. Well, what are we talking about here? Well, we're talking about it in all kinds of senses. So there are three Black women at a prestigious white university. Oh, we did get to see this together. Yes. Yes, we Mm. did. And there's Belleville House and their master, you know, the person who, you know, is a yeah. faculty member who's in charge. For the first time, it's Professor Gail Bishop. She's the first black master. Mm. But there's some legends about this school. I'm glad you hit that S. <laughs> now, <laughs> what are these legends? Well, we meet Jasmine. She's a freshman. She gets a certain dorm room. And there's some upperclassmen who go, oh, she got room such and such. Oh, should we tell her what it is? Yes. But they don't. Because there were witch trials mm. in the history of this school. Hmm. And she has a roommate as well. Is this roommate a friend or a foe? Oh, my gosh. That roommate. I mean, she enters one time and the roommate's got all her friends all over the place, including her bed. And she goes, she's, cool. she's okay. You're lucky I'm not the roommate. Right. You sure was. She had a lot of restraint. (laughs) And throughout all of this, we're dealing with Gail, who's played by Regina Hall, by the way. And I mean, they're like doors, like closing and sounds and bells. And you got Mm -mm. vintage pictures where where it doesn't look right. I mean, Mm -mm, they're mm -mm. paintings and shadows. They're evil spirits and visions. Nope. Mm -mm. Strange things are afoot and people are watching. (laughs) I mean, one time Jasmine goes to the dining hall. The worker is all nice to all the white students. And then she comes up and the worker's like, I was like, wait a minute. Why? Mm. Now there's another professor. I'm glad you said another professor. Another one. Uh. Liv Beckman. Very close with Gail. You know, they're the only two black professors there. She got braids, you know, which is unusual for a professor. You didn't see all the action the ref gave me when she said she got (laughs) braids. I'll tell you that. And she has Jasmine as a student. How does she receive Jasmine and contrast her classmates during a discussion of the Scarlet Letter? Mm. They've got to take the Scarlet Letter and think about it with a racial tone. You may not anticipate what happens. I didn't. So we got some grades going on, some complaints. We got tenure in the offing. And the question is, can you trust what you're seeing? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. Did I, what I say, was everything accurate? I don't know. I don't know either. Because they really get into what identity is in ways, some of the ways they did it were pretty smart. I will give it to them now. <laughs> What I found most interesting, Ref, is how it hinted at how Black people see each other within a white world. There was nuance there and potential surprises for some within a horror thriller. So that's where it found its raison d'etre. Now, the interaction between the Black and white characters, the related themes there, less interesting to me. Doesn't mean it was bad, per se. It was solid, yet more expected and less effective as a result, the acting though is faultless. So overall, I thought it was a good contemporary horror film for people 
who want a thoughtful twist on a story with all sorts of hauntings in the face of the legacy of racism. I felt like if Jordan Peele was yeah. a woman <laughs> and and went for more less of the comedy and more for mm-hmm. um, dramatic impact, and it was his first her first film. That's it. That's what yes. you have here. So somewhere interesting. between that and like the new Candyman, Nia's Candyman. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Watcher is another uh, U.S. dramatic competition category uh, movie. This is, you know, I don't know much about it. It hasn't gotten picked up as of our taping. So what's going on here? Exactly. So. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, there you go. Moving on to. (laughs) So we are in Romania and the Romanian language is, it was, I was listening to it going, is this Italian? Like they're very close. Oh, interesting. And I didn't know that. So that was nice to hear. Mm. Anyway, so we have a young married couple. They're moving to Romania. The husband is from there. The wife is not. Her name is Julia. And Julia gets there, played by Michael Monroe. And, you know, she doesn't have much to do. She ain't got a job. He does. She doesn't know the language she's learning. And what she finds is she thinks she's being watched. She's being watched in their apartment through the window. Oh, Lord. She goes places. She sees this man in the grocery store and other places. Is it all in her head? Is it real? Now, Bern Gorman plays the man she thinks is watching her. Oh, well, Bern is watching. (laughs) You are being watched. <laughs> so it's kind of like I mean you cast a bird Gorman come on yeah I mean, you're like, being did, watched right yes. did you did you cast him to you know up the ante on her psychosis or is it what we expect from bird yeah Gorman? I'm sure it's <laughs> or maybe it's both or maybe it's both so you know the paranoia starts to build but this man she accuses what's he up to how's he going to receive her How's the husband receiver? Also, there's a neighbor she befriends. What's going on with this neighbor? Now, the thing that comes to mind when anybody's being watched like this at home is Rear Window, the Hitchcock classic. Yeah. Compared to that, this is less urgent and less confined, which is the problem. Rear Window, he's just in his chair looking. <laughs> now, what I did find wise is the Romanian is not subtitled. So we're in the same situation as Julia if we don't know the language. So I thought that was smart, but that's one of the few connections I had with her. The styling of it was good. It was clear and somber. It just needed higher stakes, needed more interesting characters to earn its ending to make it mm. matter. But I would say this is for fans of this specific kind of thriller. For me, this genre is just okay. Well, there you have that. Good luck to you, Leo Grand. Oh. Um, Grande, whatever, however you want to pronounce that. This is also <laughs> a premiere coming to us from Searchlight um, Pictures. <laughs> this is about you're going to see why that's fun. Okay. <laughs> um, but you know what? It's obviously, if Searchlight is has acquired it, it will end up on Hulu in some yes. And at some point, we just don't know when, mm-hmm. but uh, you chuckling and giggling over there. So what's 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 the hoopla about? Well, this stars Emma Thompson, the great, <laughs> and Daryl McCormick, who you go, who's that? Well, he was in Peaky Blinders. No. Oh. One of the black characters, one, <laughs> one of the few ones. <laughs> so if you know who that is, that's Daryl. <laughs> and it's really just the two of them for most of the runtime. What's it about? Well, Emma plays Nancy Stokes. She's a retired school teacher. Her husband has just died. She has two children. Her son is in a master's program. Her daughter finds her distant. But what she's decided is, I'm going to hire a male escort (laughs) and experience some things in the bedroom I've never experienced before. Oh, my goodness. Okay, she wants the fairy tale, but she fights it all the way. Now, she taught ethics. 
<laughs> so how does that come into play? And when it comes to Leo, the escort, Leo Grand, what does he want? Is that knowable? Now, the title sequence in the music suggests a promising fantasy. It's a gentle cat and mouse sort of thing. Then about a half hour in, prompted by Leo's pleasant questioning, Nancy remembers a teenage romance and goes deeper. And she's able to give in. But now what? Can she actually achieve something she's never had with anybody else? And what could that possibly be? So you'll see what happens in the end. But (laughs) what I'll say is really, this is a two-person play. That's what I would say. They call it a two-hander. That unfolds almost exclusively in one hotel room until the end. So this is really reliant heavily on the actors. And their rhythms were good. The beats were clean and varied. Thompson and McCormick, they really do work well together. However, the shift into the ending section didn't quite work for me. They did land it in the very end. It's just that shift I was kind of like, I just thought that maintaining an air of mystery was when this film worked best. Like, do you want to know who these people are and why they are in this situation? Like, I wanted that mystery there. Are you interested in the revelations that trickle out bit by bit? That was interesting. And another question is, do you want to know what their motivations are, what their boundaries are? So if that interests you, you want to see two people really talking a lot. Do you get to see some flesh? Yeah, you do. Oh, do we want to? Not in the beginning. They work up to it. So all of that is there. Um, So, you know, I didn't mind it at all. There's some good acting. It wasn't perfect. But there you go. That's what we have for good luck to you, Leo Grandin. What does that mean? Oh my gosh, I'm sure we'll find out. Well, listen, we're going to call it for this iteration um, of our Sundance review. This is part one. We're going to come to you with part two because we got a lot more to talk about. But until then, we'll catch you later. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, visit whywatchthat.com. Good idea. And we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and leave comments, feedback, and you can rate us on iTunes. We'll see you next week. See you.